0: If we think more about integrated transport on the why, not just the what, then I think, you know, we're going to get better outcomes and putting people at the heart of of everything that we do, not just things, but
1: people. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of The Interchange podcast, which is produced in association with Arcadis and hosted by me, Io Abbas. This show looks at how we can make integrated transport infrastructure happen. And today, our guest is Kerry Bangle from engineering and consultancy firm, WSP. In our wide ranging discussion, we really get to grips with purpose and communities and the role that they play in delivering successful integrated transport infrastructure. We also talk about the need for longer-term political cycles and how upskilling the next generation of talent is really, really important for the transport sector. Anyway, now let's get on with listening. Enjoy. Hi, Kerry. Thanks so much for coming on to the show. Can you introduce yourself and your role at WSP?
0: Sure. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Uh, Yes. So I work for WSP. Um, We're a global consultancy firm uh, advising on all things environmental, uh, energy and engineering. And there are about 9,000 of us in the UK. So there's rather a lot of us. And I'm really excited because I've just started a new job uh, as major projects director. Oh. In our new, yeah, I know. It's exciting. Uh, in our newly created uh, communities and mobility division. So I can talk about that in a bit. But uh, Which, I mean, what does that mean? It sounds a bit uh, uh, bland. But yeah, it means I basically I get to help our clients with some of their um, biggest challenges, delivering their biggest transport projects. Um, and that might mean helping them to think about why they need them. What do they need yeah. and why? Uh, securing the funding for them gaining the planning consent designing them project managing them right the way through delivery and into service and operation so i'd say it's you know it's a really exciting job and definitely no two days are the same there's a lot of juggling so anyone listening out there who's thinking about a career in transport i can highly recommend it
1: (laughs) no the juggle is real isn't it it's always changing and also it's quite a political kind of area and arena isn't it it's kind of transport yeah. is one of those divisive things as we know so what does integrated transport infrastructure mean to you and why do you think it's important to us
0: um and I think it's it's, it's probably all too easy to jump into thinking that you know about infrastructure as sort of routes and timetables and physical infrastructure you know and networks and all of that sort of you know but 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 what we really need to think about is i think the purpose of it so what does integrated transport mean and the infrastructure only exists because we're connecting people to opportunities you know it's not just the concrete and the steel there's the you know the digital connectivity um, and those access to to sort of services and, and helping communities access uh, you know, opportunities. And that's why I was sort of saying that this this division that we've set up, the Communities and Mobility Division, is really important that we're trying to put the people back at the heart of what we're talking about here. You know, it's not just steel, concrete, pylons, uh, you know, blacktop, yeah. that sort of thing. So I think it's, it's, it's more than just the infrastructure we've got. Um, and the integrated part of it is that, you know, there's, more emphasis on um you know the need for us to work together and i know some of the previous podcasts also touched on that that how we integrate the transport um you know it's the government's private sector public and we'll, i know we're going to come on to talk about that hopefully in a bit um, and that's why you know wsp's reorienting reorienting its business um you know to reflect to reflect that complexity so i think if we think more about integrated transport on the why not just the what yeah. then I think, you know, we're going to get better outcomes and putting people at the heart of, of everything that we do,
1: not just things, but people. I guess, does that mean you feel that we're slightly lost? So, like, we kind of lost that purpose somewhere along the way and more kind of focused on the delivering the projects and things rather than the people at the heart of it and the purpose
0: yeah no i think i think you're right and i think it's a yeah i think it's a fair challenge and i, I you know i i think we we absolutely need to remember why we're doing this you know i think for us, for us as as engineers and technical professionals it's quite easy for us to kind of get caught up in the uh you know the the, the guidance and the frameworks and the policy and all of that behind what it is we're doing you know and we I'll be honest, you know, sometimes you can hide away in an ivory tower and think, gosh, haven't we done a fantastic job of all of our documents? But actually, we've, you know, as soon as we sort of go out to talk to the public about it, they're like, well, that's not what I want. I didn't ask for that, you know. And so I think that that, that the way that we um, plan things, if we're not doing it with the end user in mind and the outcome, not the output, there's a very subtle but important difference there. You know, what's the outcome we're trying to achieve? We're going to miss the point and we're going to deliver infrastructure that, you know, as professionals, we think, gosh, isn't this absolutely marvelous, but doesn't do the job that the that the people, you know, the citizens who in in most cases are the ones that are paying for it through their tax uh, bills are, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones that we should be doing it for. Not because we want to build a shiny piece of infrastructure that makes us all feel frightfully clever and, you know, we win an award for, which, you know, obviously that's quite nice. Uh, so, kind of harmonize both of those things is what we need to be doing. Yeah.
1: No, that's such a great point, isn't it? Yeah. You'd be like, I'm looking at like, great shiny details, like, but does it work for the people? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, is, exactly. which is actually the most important thing. So, what kind of enablers and blockers do you see to making kind of in, integrated transport infrastructure happen?
0: Well, I don't want to start with a negative, but I think, you know, let's get, let's get the blockers out of the way. They're, and
1: then go positive.
0: Okay. <laughs> there's a number of blockers and there will be a number of positives, I promise. But the, I think the blockers, as we, many of us are kind of in the thick of it, you know, it's the political cycle is a major blocker, you know, things on a four or five year cycle, transport infrastructure does not operate in that time frame. You know, what we're trying to do is longer than that. So, over political cycles trying to maintain support for things you know and I don't want to mention a certain high speed rail project but it holding that coalition over a period of time you know when when there are wider headwinds around you know there's pressures on the economy fashions change you know if you think about where we've been in in infrastructure and and planning mm you know it was all about freedom for the car and then it was about uh you know active travel it, we've gone from things must be driving economic development to my goodness what's happening to the climate you know the environment so we're really you know there's lots of different things not become fashionable but become very important Feels like it's slightly though doesn't it yeah what are the boxes we need to tick or the narrative that we need to sort of cover off so i think tr- trying to maintain a transport project through that the buffeted sort of winds of of change is is very hard because you know what what <clears throat> excuse me what was a good idea in you know nineteen ninety seven when something was planned to 2010 when it's in construction, you know, it's difficult. So I think long longer term planning like we've got is hard in the in that sort of political cycle. The other thing I think the blocker is that and a potential enabler, so it's a bit of both for in both camps here, is that transport is very emotive. You know, it's very it's very controversial in places. It can be very... If you think about the issues around low-traffic neighbourhoods or, um, you know, the plan for drivers, the whole anti-car rhetoric, the ULES, the ultra-low-emission zone expansion in London, you know, you think about the the media attention that got. So being so much in the public eye and the and the public conscience, if you ever tried changing parking provision in a town centre, you'll know, you know, <laughs> how... How difficult some of this stuff is. Emotive that is.
1: It's like yeah. when's the last time you yeah. went to town? Ten years ago. But I might yeah. next week.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't even have a car, but I want to be able to park for free. You know, there's there. So that's. I mean, that's one of the reasons I got into the industry, into the profession, because you could. You can. If you're trying to do something, you can easily set out a hundred reasons to do something. But it's quite easy to come up with a hundred reasons not to do that very same thing because it's so emotive and so at the core of what we do and how we live our lives. So I think that's a potential blocker and enabler you know if you, you tap into the right thing it's an enabler but it can equally be a blocker um and I also think that we can't you know you a blocker you can't look at transport in isolation you know it is it as we're all taught in our university courses transport is a derived demand okay transport only exists to react to other things you know we only do it for the sake we don't do transport for the sake of it you know long and gone are the days where you'd go for a sort of a drive on a sunday you know for just for the sake of being out you know we don't do that we go we go yeah. on a, we go on a journey we're for going a reason. somewhere yeah yeah we yeah. don't just go oh let's have a little wander so i think in transport what's interesting is we've we're often trying to fix the problems that have been created by other policy areas um, so what do i mean by that like so i suppose housing that's been built on the edges of towns that's a that's a planning policy land use decision but they're, and they're saying, oh, you have to build that with three parking spaces for each, you know, for each house. So you're already baking in car dependency. Those people who live at the out of town, so they're going to come in by on their car and they want more parking. They create congestion. You know, they create pollution. And there's absolutely no point in even trying to put in a bus route to that to that, you know, s- s- development because no one's going to use it because they're already using their cars. So, you know, we, what we're what we're finding is that those blockers to enabling integrated transport are sometimes caused by other policy decisions which you know makes it pretty challenging Makes it challenging, yeah yeah um and you know we started talking also about uh the school run you know this morning before we started the, the chat here um you know if you look at the decision that was made to allow children to you know parents can pick parents carers can pick where they're Child goes to school within reason, you know. Whereas in the olden days, your kid went to the school around the corner or down the road, you know, there was no choice about it. But that meant that means now the school run could be a lot longer, is a, is a, is a lot longer. It's a lot more problematic. We all know how much more pleasant it is to drive during the school holidays than it is, you know, in term time. So, you know, transport sort of fixing those problems that have been created through other, you know, well meaning policy decisions. So that's quite an interesting one. And I think the other one that I'd Draw on is the um, in, in in delivering transport is the complexity of the bidding and uh, for funding. Yeah. So whilst we're seeing, you know, there's arguably more money flowing down out of central government for for transport. You know, we're seeing that through various big funds that, uh, Leveling Up Fund, Transforming Cities, um, City Regional Sustainable Transport Settlement. That's a snappy one, isn't it? Sounds CRS Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> You ever up with that one? To, oh, yeah, so we're seeing that. Uh, you know, so there's more money coming, but but there's more effort in having to bid for that. Funding. And they're big
1: bids, aren't they? Even so when you're big. on the frameworks, you still have to bid a lot, don't yeah. you? And I think exactly. that's the thing. It's like those frameworks are big to get on, and then it's it's still always mm. a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Mm. So and and for the the money that the local authorities can bid for in these big funds that largely come through from either sort of you know from central government. They have time scales attached to them, how quickly you could spend them because they have time horizons. So in some cases, authorities are bidding and winning, you know, and our shameless plug for WSP that we do support clients in, in that. Um, but those authorities then have to skill up, you know, rapidly to deliver big projects in the really short a short period of time. Yeah. So, oh, wow. it, you know, that's a, that's a challenge. So whilst there's an enabler of money, you know, are we are we helping those authorities set themselves up to deliver effectively so that's that's a bit of a challenge yeah. um so but on i I will get to the positive now I. but <laughs> so i think i think there's there's a lot to be um you know positive about so micro mobility so this is yeah. you know the scooters and the all of these sort of slightly more um innovative ways of of moving around and I think you know they're not without problems and and government are vexed about how they're going to legislate for them and you speak to a lot of people and they think that they're the most awful thing in the world. But if you think about the freedom that they give, for, you know, particularly younger people who don't have yeah. access to a car, you know, being able to jump on a scooter, uh, you know, will revolutionize how they get around. So I think, you know, the micro mobility offers opportunities. You know, the big one is obviously what Chicasta talked about in the last podcast was, you know, about the vast opportunities offered by, you know, data enabled society and how we can optimize how we travel and use infrastructure with this this data that's so rich you know but the thing
1: is we're only in the infancy of that aren't we it's it's no way near developed isn't it and you kind of sit there and go there is huge amounts of opportunity and scope there
0: it's really exciting and I think that's somewhere where our profession the transport profession we're we are very in infantile in how we're using it and where we're where we're going with it we you know we're only just scratching the surface of the capabilities of it and how we can really use it to transform those you know seamless journeys and and how we plan because at the moment we use quite big transport models that are you know they take months to build months to you know um, finesse and make sure that they're accurate and, and and weeks to run and then they take someone with the brain the size of saturn to <laughs> um interpret the results, you know, and invariably you're like, oh, I didn't want that one, I want to know this. And they're and like, we'll oh that'll take another way. month. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so I don't want to sort of de- belittle my professional colleagues in that sphere. It's immensely complicated. But I think there's, you know, some of the new tools that we're seeing could help.
1: And that like, kind of language learning learning models and all of that kind of thing that can actually do machine learning and understand yeah. what those patterns are and actually do. You- it's
0: just yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And we're just you know some of my colleagues are in that space and they're really um plugging away at it but how we how we embed that into mainstream transport planning is still i think we've got
1: a job to do there which is exciting so in terms of kind of i guess we had a few more blockers than enablers but in terms of blockers and things how can we as a public sector and private sector make more of the kind of positive things happen what things can we change
0: um i think i mean i've for the majority of my career i've been in the private sector but i've always had a you know as a as a consultant but i've worked for private infrastructure owners in the airport world i i think the magic is when you understand what each party brings to the equation and if you can each play to your strengths and your superpowers if you combine that then then you get something really powerful so um you know there's obviously the private sector can help plug Plug skills, skills gaps, and skills needs. In, 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 like we talked about, you know, in the in these combined authorities that are setting up, we can come in, skill them up quickly, and then, you know, the the intention should always be, and I'm very passionate about this, is we we come in, we skill up, and we leave, but we leave a legacy that's positive. We don't just sort of, you know, the, the analogy of teaching a man to fish. You you teach the man to fish. You don't just give him fish, and that's, you know, I think we should be teaching our clients and leaving them with, you know, upskilling them in the process rather than having them reliant on, you know, having to use consultants all the time. So I think that that's something I'm very passionate about with the work that I do in particular for the Department of Transport and other local authorities. Um, You know, the charity sector has a a role to play. So amazing organisations like Sustrans, uh, you know, the walking and cycling charity, Transport for All, they have, you know, have the hugely important independent voice that, you know, they can advocate for the user or those seldom heard groups that don't make it into mainstream planning. And that's, that's where, again, you know, the, my profession, we really need to look at what and how we're planning um, and making sure that we're looking at, at all different angles, not just, you know, what does the sort of rational man need from the transport network, which is where we were, you know, and, and to a degree where we still are in some of the way that we appraise projects. You know, it's all about value of time savings. It's not about, you know, productive. Journeys, it's not about social impact. Yeah. Accessibility in its broadest sense, it's about how much time does this save on a journey? Because that's the language of the economics that drive the big you know government funding decisions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a you know, there's a lot to sort of get into there and that's a whole nother podcast probably, but
1: economics of it i'll be like that's not my thing
0: (laughs) i think the most important thing on on how we can all work together is i think we've all got a collective responsibility to skill up the next generation you know the professionals in what we do are we're 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 potentially dwindling in number you know particularly in the engineering space if you look at the cohorts of people that uh, there's more people leaving the business than are coming in because of um, you know, just the, I guess the careers, the fashions. You know, it, engineering isn't particularly well paid compared to some other other uh, jobs.
1: And there's also the whole thing about retirement, isn't there? A lot of these highly skilled people are retiring. It's, They're retiring, it's yeah. And, you know, yeah. yeah good luck
0: to them. But you know, we're, we're so that we're losing we're losing people. I don't think we're replacing them as quickly as we should be. I mean, construction is a particular issue as well. That's you know, in the construction sector, that's a particular particularly um worrying issue um, so we, so collectively we need to work together about how we skill pick that that you know that generation um, up and it's you know it's an exciting area to work in because the range of skills that we need in transport is is huge it's really diverse you know it's it's data it's maths it's en- environmental science it's engagement it's marketing it's you know you' know, you've, you you're, you're in it but I think that there's a real excitement about potentially getting a much more diverse workforce as well you know and it's not a traditional sort of dare I say it kind of white male engineers it's it's much more inclusive and we sh- we need to work to make it so so that's Absolutely. that's what I'm really excited about.
1: Hear, here that's what I'm gonna say on that one <laughs> <laughs> so what role do you think and how important is is it for us to kind of win the hearts and minds of people you know to create integrated transport I mean how important is it? It's fundamental
0: because, like we talked about, you know, the if we're not bringing the user or the community along with us about what we're trying to do, then we've lost. Um, and and you know, b- build it and they will come. That isn't necessarily the case. And and maybe for some of the really big infrastructure projects, like you know, the Elizabeth line, which I was very fortunate to have worked on, that you know, though people will come to use those, but. The smaller kind of interventions that we're seeing in our sort of towns and cities you know low traffic neighborhoods or things like these ride buses, you know the smaller things that are just sort of plugging the gap between the big big system um, changes people people don't trust them they might not you know they don't use them they might not be affordable they might not go to the right um destinations and origins they might not run at the right time, so if we're not bringing people with us and delivering for the user then then i think we you know we, we may as well not bother getting out of bed um i i worked on a project in cambridge recently road user charging which is hugely controversial you know yeah, basically I, charging I yeah charging um people to drive into cambridge basically five pounds to drive their car in or within cambridge so you know um residents would pay as well as visitors Mm. it's hugely controversial um and w- you know we knew it would be but i don't think we realized the scale of just how how controversial it was going to be and how much um oppos- you know we knew there would be opposition but there was also a lot of support scale. yeah um but it, but it was a real hearts and minds thing you know and going back to what we was saying earlier about you know we we've done a great job of all the technical work and we, we, I was really proud of the, the work that we'd done as a as a collective, as a team and the client. But, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it didn't it wasn't enough. You know, the hearts and yeah. minds weren't there enough.
1: Yeah. And, and I think you know, I think it, such a good point in the hearts and minds, because I think I mean, I live in I live near Streatham and I've got an LTN going in and you can see the hearts and minds. It's that issue. It's that yeah. that's the emotive part. And it's all behavioural change from climate change to all the things we've got to deal with. It's, mm. it's that. It's like yeah. how do you communicate the benefits and really listen to people and take them along with you. And that's not easy to do in a communication sense of the word either. It's
0: not. And, and those things, because there's there will obviously be a bunch of people who live within the LTN who will, who will think this is absolutely marvellous. You know, mm. people with, with children or vulnerable users don't want cars screaming down their street. You know, it's nice to be able to ride your bike and play a game of football or whatever, and you know the kids out on the on the road, but those drivers who used to rat run through there will be, you know, really cross because yeah. you know you've you've fettered my divine right to mobility, and I think mm. that's this you know hundred four and hundred against issue around transport that's so interesting that you, there are so many different perspectives, and the other thing that I find funny about about working in transport is everyone thinks they're an expert.
1: uh, Yeah,
0: everyone's got a view. Well, have you thought about why don't you do this? What about that? (laughs) So you know, there's, uh, you know, no no one would ask a surgeon. You know, well, I wouldn't do it like that. But everyone seems to be able to kind of have a crack at transport planning because you know it's so (laughs) embedded in our lives. So it is quite. um, it is quite fun to, to, to be in it. And it's also very, you know, it's very emotional. It's very draining doing these public consultation yeah. events, you know, and rightly so, you know, and it's good to get out of the ivory tower and understand what drives people, what, what upsets people, what's what's in people's
1: minds. And people
0: aren't necessarily rational, you know.
1: No, no, it's not. It, that, that's, that's the bit you could, you're like, this isn't like an equation. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> X plus Y does not equal X, Y. Yeah. It's, it's like, no, it's humans. It's, it's
0: just yeah. like. So I think uh, those hearts and minds is, you know, stakeholders make or break the project. Absolutely. And if we need to, as professionals, we need to equip the political leaders who are making those decisions to make informed decisions, you know, be honest about the winners and losers, because there will never be a project that is all win, win, win. You know, there will always be somebody who is negatively affected. And our job is to make sure that we understand who they are and to minimise that negative effect on people and make it, you know, as equitable as we can and and, it, and that we're not disadvantaging the the, you know the poorest in society. We need to be using transport investment
1: for you know positive social outcomes. Brilliant. And on that note I'm gonna say thank you so much for your time, Gary. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Interchange. And remember it's not just a podcast, Interchange is much more. It's also a two-day major exhibition and conference taking place on February the 27th and 28th in Manchester Central. Head to www.interchange-uk.com to find out more.